0: Um, we have been in a series called vivid last week, pastor Adam, uh, talked about the messiness of life and how God works in that, how Jesus worked in the messiness of people's life. Uh, and this whole series basically is just, our goal is to just lift Jesus up and let him be seen in the most clear and possible way. And I think that uh, when we do that, as well, he, Jesus said, He says, "When I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men into me." You know, I love church. I man, my dad was a pastor. I, I've gr- grown up in church, but church cannot save me. It's only by the power and the blood of Jesus that I am cleansed and washed. And so, it's only through Jesus that that we find that redemption of our sins. And so, this morning, that's that's what we're about. We want you to see Jesus uh, in a, in, a, in a vivid way. Now, uh, I have to ask you this, and, and I know I, um, I've talked about this before, but how many of you guys, um, you have to be careful with how competitive your family gets with stuff? I'm trying to okay I'm, uh, yeah, I see. I'm not alone here this morning. okay Our family, our family gets competitive with, with games sometimes. Um, Monopoly we've had to go through like family counseling and stuff now. Um, and seriously, I mean, it's like, man, we've, we, I I think it was like Christmas when somebody said, let's play Monopoly. And like four people said, no, no, you know, and I miss Monopoly, you know, but I'm not good at it. See, Raina's good at it. Raina, Raina's my wife and, and she is good. She, she wins stuff. She just wins all this stuff, you know, and I'm losing and, and what, my mission is at that point is when I see that I'm losing is to make her winning so miserable that she doesn't want to win that's my game plan you know and now that could be bad that could be messed up I know but that's my game plan and so when she starts winning what I do is I take my my monopoly money and my boys are there Cannon and Kobe and I just start giving away I say boys I bequeath to you my monopoly money and uh and I give you, you know, I just start giving my land away. It's like it's like I'm going out. I'm going out in a blaze of glory, right? And everybody gets something except for Reina, and and so that's why we have to have therapy after we play Monopoly, is because we got all these issues that we're working through. No, it's, we, we get competitive with stuff, you know. We get competitive when we play basketball out here on Monday nights. Anybody wants to play basketball, you can come play basketball with us on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. We'll be out there tomorrow night. Now, it there may be uh, a video rolling around of me Rolling around on the basketball court going for a loose ball. There may or may not be that. We get a little competitive because it's, it's fun. We just enjoy the game, you know. Uh, but sometimes, how I many of you know that sometimes competition can bring out the worst in people? Right? Right? Sometimes competition can just, man, again, it can just bring out the worst in some people, especially during football season, you know, you got the Georgia, Georgia Tech game, they used to be played, you know, in competition, people just want to give me a hard time because I'm a Georgia Tech fan, you know, but to, this is our year, I'm declaring it, I'm believing. I mean, the Bible says to call those things that are not as if they were, that's what I'm doing, so, uh, somebody believe with me today, right, but this, this, this is it. This is this is this is. We can get competitive with stuff, and competition sometimes brings out the worst in us. Um, so I want to talk this morning out of a passage of scripture in John chapter twelve, and we're talking about Palm Sunday. This this is the Palm Sunday passage. Um, and Jason, can you bring me my tree? I yeah, it is. So when somebody says Palm Sunday, I went all out. <sighs> I brought the biggest palm that I, actually, this was the smallest palm on our palm tree. We have three of them in our yard. This was the littlest branch out of all of them. I thought, well, you'll have to work, you know, so, yeah, all right. It's like, I feel like I have to, I can't see all you guys over there, so it doesn't matter. We'll just believe that you're there. Um, no, today's Palm Sunday, and so I want to talk a little bit about what this meant for uh, that culture, that time period for um, the Jews at, at that moment in history, what was going on and what was somewhat expected. So uh, Palm Sunday is when we commemorate this triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now Jesus is coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And so so there's a week-long feast that they're going to celebrate, this Feast of Passover. And Jesus is coming in from Bethany, uh, and he's, he's coming along this road. He's coming up on the east side of Jerusalem, and he's entering with his disciples to come in to celebrate Passover. Um, now, there's a lot of people coming to celebrate Passover. They're coming to Jerusalem because this is one of those feasts where uh, one of the most important feasts that they're going to celebrate and so, it's a big deal. This is a big deal for them. Now, the palm branch for them, the palm frond for them, uh, it was a national symbol. And so, uh, we have evidence that they've, the palm frond was on coins that they used. You uh, You would you'd find these depictions of the palm frond on these coins. And so it's a national symbol, almost in a sense of like on the 4th of July when we have our parade and we're waving American flags, you know, and we're singing God bless America and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's kind of that national fervor, you know, it, in a sense, that was kind of what this was. It, it was a national symbol for them. Now, um, Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, for Jesus, he knows that his time now is very short, that the Father has brought him to this most important time in history, and most everybody else doesn't see this, not even his disciples. He's been even trying to tell them what was going to happen, and they're they're not getting it. You know, how sometimes somebody tries to tell you something, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's great, and then you're knowing they just they don't get it, you know. Sometimes people try to give me instructions. They're like, Ryan, don't, he doesn't get it. And, and, and so I, I think that's kind of it right there. You know, Jesus has tried to tell them, "This I've got to give my life up. This is coming. But what you're going to see from this point on throughout the rest of this week that we see uh, what's called Holy Week is that when you get to Friday, there's a lot of people who are somewhat confused. And they're distraught. They're in dis- disarray. Uh, some just kind of run and hide, and um, there's a lot that happens in this week. So I want us to read this, uh, this story, and I'm going to see if I can move my tree a little bit here so I can get to my, my Bible. Actually, just, can I read it up there? There we go. Just read it up there. The next day, the large crowd uh, had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna. Uh, this was a, a word that means uh, save me or please save me or rescue rescue us. Save me or rescue us. It was kind of this, this idea, hey, we need you to come and do something, bring rescue. And who do they need to be rescued from? They need to be rescued from the Roman Empire because the Romans are the superpower. They have this massive empire and israel is a tiny province in this massive empire controlled by caesar and so caesar uh he rules with an iron fist uh he keeps the peace of rome maybe you've heard it called the pox romana is called the peace of rome um, and he keeps the peace with an iron fist he keeps the peace by having very pointy sh- swords and spears pointed at people and saying, stay in your place, right? Or else we'll take you out of this world, okay? Uh, so that was kind of how they kept the peace. They said either you played by our rules or we'll just take you out of the game totally. And so they took palm branch branches from palm trees and they went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. Once again, there we go. He had been trying to explain it to them, but they're not getting it. But they finally, it clicks with them. They didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, and when they remembered that these things had been written about him, and he had he, and had been done to him, next verse, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him up from the dead continued to bear witness. All these people had watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, and so they were following him. All right, and the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard. Uh, what they, they had heard that he had, he had done was this, this sign. And so they're following Jesus. They're, they're coming from Bethany with him. There's this, this crowd of people that are just joining with him. Next verse. And so the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And you kind of see a, a glimpse into their head. And and what they're worried about is they're worried about losing their power and their control. There's a system that they live in and they operate in. And they're worried about losing their power and their control. And they said, listen, if, if, if we let this continue, and you'll find another place in John where they say, if we let Jesus continue to do this, we've got to kill him. So they start making plans. If we let him keep going on like this. The Romans will come take away our place. What is the place? The place is the temple. They'll come take away our place. And our nation. And so they made up a plan that Jesus had to die. It was better that Jesus died than the Romans came in and wiped out the rest of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. But that would happen, anyways, in 70 AD. If you go read in history, that's exactly what the Romans did. They came in and they wiped out the place and destroyed the temple. And so we see that Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem on the east side. He's got these people who are there with him and they are waving these palm branches. Now this is a very long palm branch, so if you go to sleep, I can slap you with my palm branch. So stay awake, all right? I got you. No. They Sorry, that was my that was my squirrel moment, okay? So so they were waving this palm, these palm branches, and they, they laid them down. They laid them down on the road, laid their cloaks down, as Pastor Trent said, that Jesus could come riding in. And, and what, why are they doing this? They're doing this because when Jesus gets on this donkey, and he, becomes, he comes riding in, there's something that starts clicking with them that they begin to remember this prophecy of Zechariah. And so, can we read Zechariah? Can you put that up there, that Zechariah? Chapter, uh, chapter 9 verse 9 it says rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout aloud O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt on the foal of a donkey and so there's this prophecy about the Messiah that's going to come and he's going to bring salvation and it starts clicking hey this is it this is that moment but see, the thing about it is this, that they're expecting salvation one way, and Jesus is, is bringing it in another. And they're not getting it. See, it's, it's one thing when you expect one thing, but you get something else. And, and so they they've laid these palm branches down. Now, the, the palm branch, the palm frond, was also a sign of uh, a group of people, a group of Jews at that time called the Zealots. The Zealots were a a group of Jews who uh, they they thought that they were going to basically take back over. They were going to use force to drive out the Romans, and they were going to set Israel back up as as a national power. And so they were going to do that with swords and spears and, and clubs and knives, and they were going to take it back by force. And so that was kind of that, this zealot mentality. And the palm frond was actually a symbol of theirs as well. And so for what the people were doing with Jesus, him getting on this donkey, and what he was proclaiming is this, there is a new king in town. This is it. He says, this is it. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. And they're, ah, they're, oh, this is it. Jesus is the king. And Jesus is the king. But he's not going to come and bring rescue like they think he is. See, they think that he's going to come in and he's going to start this rebellion to push the Romans out. But the end of the week, Jesus would be hanging on a Roman cross. And so things aren't working, are not going to work like they think it should. But it's actually right in God's plan because we find in Isaiah, it the word of God says it was God's good will to crush him. And that sounds harsh, but it was good for us. Because him being crushed mean that I didn't. Him giving up his life mean that I didn't. Him being rejected and mocked and spat upon mean that I didn't. And so what Jesus did for us, his death meant that we could have life. And that's what they just didn't. They thought in a very political term and political thoughts during that time as they were waving these branches. And and you know what? I get it. I would have been caught up in that as well. Bring salvation. That's it. Kick out the Romans. Now see, at the same time that Jesus was coming in, it's very possible that another man had another procession that was coming in on the other side of Jerusalem. Pontius Pilate would have possibly entered Jerusalem at the same time as Jesus, beginning of the week, the beginning of Passover. He'd have been coming in, and he didn't live in Jerusalem, although he was this governor. He didn't live in Jerusalem. He actually lived in a place called Caesarea by the sea, and it was up on, on the sea, and it was a, this, this great uh, city that uh, King Herod had built. And uh, that was much more uh, to his taste of a governor. Uh, Jerusalem was too much inland for him. It was, had too many rebels in it. And so he was coming in. And why was he coming in for this feast? Pilate did, wasn't coming in to celebrate this, peace, this feast. He was coming in to keep the peace. That was his mission. Caesar basically had given him a job of saying, Keep the peace. Don't let any rebellion happen, and if it does, you squash it. You put it down. You kill people if you have to. Whatever you have to do, you make sure things don't get out of control. And we understand that, you know, because sometimes when people win national championships, we try to burn cities down for some reason. I don't know, you know. <laughs> people, <laughs> people do crazy things when there's a big, big party, right? And so he's coming in. Pilate's coming in from the west. Jesus is coming in from the east. And Pilate's procession, can you put that picture up? Pilate's procession is very different. Pilate would be riding a big white horse, a white horse would signify that he's a victorious conqueror, a conquering leader. That's what a white horse signified at this time, that when he rode in on a white horse and he would have his soldiers marching and they would be decked out in their armor and they would have their spears and their swords and everything just connected and polished and they're marching in and it is a show of force because what he is telling Israel is this. Israel, you may think that you are God's land, but you are Caesar's possession. And that's what he was trying to just let them know. Don't get out of hand. Don't get out of line, because if you do, we'll put an end to you. And he comes in with this army. He comes in marching in. He would have come in on the west side from Caesarea, and he's marching in, and he's got this just great procession of people, this show of force. But then on the other side, on the east side, you've got this other picture. You've got this picture of this humble carpenter, this guy who wants to do good for all these people, and he's coming in riding on this donkey. And the donkey was actually this. The donkey was a symbol too. If the the white horse was a symbol of victory, if the white horse was a symbol of a conquering king, The donkey was a symbol that the king was bringing peace. And so you have these two competing images coming in to Jerusalem at the same time. These two competing images coming in, these two competing processions coming in at the same time. One was saying one thing, one was saying the other. Pilate came to keep the peace. Jesus came to be our peace and that's what's coming these competing pictures are coming in two different points now and they're loving it too how you can hear them over there man you can preach better when you got them cheering you on like that I'm going to wrap this up here just a second so with this idea that there's these competing (laughs) processions I just began to ask the question what competes for Jesus' attention in our life What are those other things that compete in our life for the attention that we should give to Jesus? What are those things that we compete, that compete in our life and in our mind and in our spirit? What is that? See, because I think that there's a lot of things. I think, first off, it could be my stuff. What is it? My possessions, my things. And I like things. I like things because things they 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 sometimes give me joy for a little bit, you know. But I I I, I like stuff and I like gadgets and I like I like cars and I like trucks and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff's not bad. It's not bad, but it can definitely compete for your attention with Jesus, right? So my stuff competes for our attention with Jesus. Our stuff, my stuff it competes sometimes it's people that compete with the attention for Jesus sometimes it's people that it, it may be my kids it may be it may be my coworkers it may be there there are things that just distract me from what I should be giving Jesus. And it's not that these people are bad. It's just sometimes we misplace our priorities. It's not that soccer practice or baseball practice or any of that stuff is bad. It's that if I begin to put it above Jesus, I've misplaced my priorities. And so these are the things in life that they're not bad. They're just misplaced priorities. And they begin to compete with Jesus. They begin to compete with the kingdom that Jesus wants to bring. And I have to look and I say, am I Setting up my own kingdom because that's the third thing that I look at. Not only is it my stuff that competes for attention with Jesus, not only is it my people that compete with attention for Jesus, it's me. I compete with attention for Jesus. It's my kingdom. It's my pride. It's my things that sometimes I set up that I want that competes with Jesus. And when I look at this, and I, and I have to ask this question, what is competing for my attention? What is that that competes for that place that Jesus, Jesus should hold in my life that maybe I put somebody else there? Maybe I put something else there. What is that? What is that for you? What is that for you that competes for time? What is that that competes for finances? What is that that competes for your talents? What is that that competes for just space in your brain, right? Right. Because we all have these thoughts that roll through our mind every week, and sometimes there are things that just compete for space in your brain. And, and yesterday I was sitting on the couch, and there were all these things that we're thinking of, and this is a very busy time for us, very busy time for the church, very busy time for pastors. And so there are all these things, and, and I just got a phone call with this guy who's having a, you know just a horrible, horrible time and um, just trying to minister to him. And there's all this stuff, and I just sat down for a second and I just said, all right. I need to decompress a little bit. I need to stop. I need to slow down. Because there's a lot of things that can go on in my heart and in my mind that push Jesus out. And I am serious that when I say that this series is about vivid, I want Jesus to be the most vivid thing in my life. And we want to make Jesus the most vivid thing here that we want to lift Jesus up and it's great that we can do a bunch of other stuff today and that's awesome, we're going to have a good time, we're going to have fun. But Jesus is the most important thing. Jesus being lifted up and finding the place in my heart and being the king of my heart and the king of my life, that is the most important thing that I can ever have happen. And so when we look at these two opposing parades coming in and the competition Who gets your attention? Does Jesus get your attention or is it everything else? See, there are many things that will compete with Jesus, but nothing will ever compare to Jesus. There are a lot of things that will compete with Jesus, but nothing will ever compare to Jesus, guys. I'm going to ask someone to come play. See, this morning, I just want us to take stock of where we're at. So just for a few minutes, I want you to bow your head. And I want you to start asking yourself right now, what competes for Jesus? What competes with Jesus in my life? See, maybe you came today and somebody invited you, and man, we're so glad that you're here. And I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I actually think that you're here because God's got a setup for you, really. He wants to do something in your life today. And so this morning, maybe there are a lot of things that are going through your mind and going through your heart. There's a lot of things that maybe have been distracting in your life. But right now, God is speaking to you, and he's saying, let Jesus step to the forefront. Let Jesus step to the forefront and take his rightful place as king of your heart. Because there's a lot of things that, that we can place as king, but they are illegitimate kings. There are a lot of things that we can lift up as, as important in our life, but they're all illegitimate when it compares to Jesus. Jesus has to be the most important thing of my life, and that is what I want declared. So I want you to just ask yourself, what is competing for the space with Jesus? They're going to sing this song. We're going to come back and pray here in just a second.
1: Can you stand with us? sorrows and dead of my sin lost without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested in my life was redeemed; only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet; my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, Your grace so free is over me you have made me new now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on us you have made us new now life From my chains I'm a prisoner no more And my shame was ransom; He faithfully bore And He canceled my debt And He called me His friend When death was arrested My life began Oh, Your grace so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you and it's your endless love pouring down on us you have made us new now displayed on a criminal's cross And darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose with our freedom in heaven That's when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on Made us new, now life begins with you. Oh, we're free, free, forever. We're free. Come join the soul of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free, forever. Amen. When death was arrested, and my life began. Oh, we're free. Forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever, Amen. When death was arrested, and my life began. When death was arrested, in my life began. When death was arrested, in my, my life began.
0: Come on, come on, get lift up a praise soon Come on. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Now, Lord, we come to you and we repent of anything that we've allowed to compete with you. We repent of anything that we've allowed to take your proper place. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us and draw us close, and we know that you are, and we know that you will. You said that you would. And so, Lord, you meet us here right now. And, Lord, you focus our attention on you. Lord, because you are the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. And so, Lord, this morning we come and we we declare that you are our king. We declare that you are the king to bring salvation. You're the king to bring healing and wholeness. And, Lord, you, you don't have to check with us about how you're going to do it. You have a plan, you have a way, and your way will succeed. And nobody, no empire, no king, nobody can stop it. And so, Lord, today we come and we declare that you are our king. We declare our allegiance to you. Our heart belongs to you. We focus our life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.